let's say that we have a calling from the Lord. Yep. We have gifts, mm-hmm. natural gifts. Yep. And then there's character. Yeah. What's the one that you have to have in order to move forward? Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I am Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have honest and uncut conversations about faith, life, and ministry. So, uh, we're here on a beautiful Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. We're recording. It's not a normal recording day, so it feels like... Oh my gosh, is it actually later in the week than it actually is? Dear Lord, please, <laughs> let's not make it Thursday. Yeah, we yeah. did a lot of calendaring and looking mm-hmm. forward and planning and stuff. And so we're, I'm sure our heads are running a gazillion different directions. But um, we wanted to sit down and talk about, pick up some of the conversation that we left off from last week. Last week. We kind of started out by talking about preaching and we kind of ran ourselves around to talking about calling into ministry. Yep. So mm-hmm. yeah, Cameron, did you have any thoughts about where you wanted to kind of start in that conversation? Cause it's a pretty big one. It is. Um, and I think we mentioned a little bit of it last week in that typically when we talk about when Christians use the term calling, mm-hmm. they, are usually referring to occupational ministry. Yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times. What you would do, what I do, mm-hmm. what other ministry leaders would do. We are on staff at We're a church. We're on staff at a church, right? And that's typically what people think of, I think, at least in my experience, when you talk about are you called into ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. I, I understand why. Um. But I think if we, when we take a look at scripture, the New Testament in particular, well, not even the New Testament, the whole Bible, the whole of scripture, yeah. the, I think the example that we see is that, yeah, there are people who are called occupationally mm-hmm. in ministry and they have gifts that are associated with that calling. And which is one of that's one of the things that I want to talk about. Does gifts equal calling? Ah, uh, yes. Um, but so, but then there is so like yeah. Oh, I, I'm called to ministry. I have gifts. Does that mean I have to work in a church? Mm-hmm. So there's that type of calling. But then scripture is pretty clear also that there's occupational ministry. But there's also that there really is not anyone who is in Christ who is not called. Mm-hmm. So when, I think first, when we talk about calling in ministry, we have to understand that it's a pretty comprehensive conversation. Yeah. That it's not relegated to simply those who are may or may not earn a living. Right from it and how those things are different mm-hmm. or if they're different or not. Yeah. Um, so would you say, would you, are you of the opinion then that everyone has a calling from the Lord? It's a, just a question as to what that calling. Is. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the scriptures declare that too. Okay. You know, I think that there is a, um, you know, in the 
in the timeline of human history and people's relationship with the Lord, like the recorded relationship with the Lord, the occupational ministry Mm -hmm. is relatively new in the grand timeline. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I suppose, you know, in the first couple centuries, you know, people began to make their living, their occupational living. Yeah. From, you know, the, from, well, being a leader in the church or in the Christian community. Well, could you? I mean, could you make an argument that Paul was occupational? I mean, he certainly did some tent building. Yeah, no, like, I, I like, yeah, for certain, yeah. for for certain, yeah. um, he was supported by, you know, he was a mission. Paul was a missionary, right? Yeah, you know, and like maybe that's not even really a fair statement because even like going back to the Levites, yeah, they were certainly occupational. Yeah, you know the, the nation of Israel yeah. supported their I occupational think, ministry. Like, so the the modern conception of occupational ministry, in which that like this isn't true for uh, this is true for most Christian denominations, is that the pastors, largely apart from working at a church, can kind of blend into society. Like at, there was a point at which like occupational. Mm, occupational ministry or calling into ministry like meant you were a monk mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. or a priest or a and nun. Yeah. or none or you were you were somehow sequestered from the rest of society in a unique fashion you know mm-hmm. um uh, you you wore a collar you wore certain clothes everywhere you went like you know like uh you lived in a certain place uh, even uh Oh, parsonage, parson the act of you know, the practice of parsonages, which mm-hmm. if you're not familiar is a lot of churches still have these. Uh, it's less common, but many churches and denominations still practice having parsonages, which is a house that's typically near, if not next to the church property in which the pastor and his family live or just the pastor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's a property owned by the church, provided for the pastor to live in, um, you know. But like that's probably like the most, some of the most unique ways in which like we're set apart. But largely, like you and I walk through town, and if people don't know us personally, there's no yeah, unless we have a collar on or something like that. Clear yeah, collar. there's mm-hmm. no distinction. So I think that has maybe like the occupation. Of of pastor and ministry has is is a in that kind of sense a relatively new thing, mm-hmm. but as far as like something that like you do in a practically full time capacity, I think that's probably very 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 old. Yeah, in some form. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay, I recant my original statement. <laughs> it is not new. In fact, I was just like trying to remember the reference, but First Timothy. Paul was writing to First Timothy, you know, hey, do not, mm-hmm. you know, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading yeah. the grain, which was a, a reference essentially to the way in which agrarian societies, when they were using oxen to crush grain to use for baking, mm-hmm. some of them would sometimes put a muzzle, a little muzzle on the ox so that as it was walking, it did not eat the grain that it was crushing. Right. Right. And the idea there was, hey, listen, the ox is doing the work. It let should, him let him take a bite. Should eat a little it bit. It should eat a little bit, right? Paul says that to Timothy, I think it's in first Timothy chapter five. Mm-hmm. But it's not original to Paul. It's mm-hmm. original to Deuteronomy, which is 
early, 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 you know, in the, um, in Jewish history. So, yeah. So, you know, maybe occupational ministry always has been, but certainly in a, you know, the way in which it shows up in life now is a little bit different than mm-hmm. anything else. But to answer the original question, yeah, I do believe that everyone has a calling. Um, not all is occupational. In fact, if we go to like, um, I had the Bible flipped over in here and we were reading a little bit before we turned on the mics, but in Ephesians chapter four, mm-hmm. Paul essentially says the same thing that there is both, it appears to be both occupational and unoccup or non-occupational ministry because he's not writing a letter here to the church in Ephesus that is, um, that is, they're not all professional Christians here. They're not all pastors. They're, they're just yeah. lay people, mm-hmm. right? So the context is he's talking to lay people. Yeah. Okay. So in Ephesians chapter four, he says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Mm-hmm. So right from the get, you know, Paul's like, you have received a calling. Don't squander it. Yeah. Live a life that's worthy of it. Um, and so, okay, what is the calling then? I think that it goes on to explain what the calling is. Yeah. Um, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Mm-hmm. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called Mm-hmm. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That would be like a, a way of saying like everyone is called. To each one of us, grace has been given mm-hmm. as Christ has apportioned it. Yeah. Um, And then it goes on in verse 11 to say, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, uh, some to be pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we will all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. but I think what what he what Paul goes on to communicate there is that every single one of us, um, those who are Christian, I would say, have been called by the Lord, and the calling is not on our occupation. The calling is on our character, mm-hmm. like. He has called us to be humble and gentle. He has called us to be unified in the spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of us all. And this is where, how I usually try to describe uh, to people how to begin to discern a call is that um, on. And it's the same kind of thing where like um, we're trying to discern in a situation what God's will is yeah, for our life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
God's will for our lives is that we would be conformed to the image and likeness of his son, Jesus. Yes. That the, that, that the righteousness that is, that belongs to Jesus would become our righteousness through faith in him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that, that is the ultimate will of God. And by extension, I think using Paul's language, that is the ultimate call of God is the calling yeah. on our character, not necessarily on our occupation. Mm-hmm. Unless, or I should say, in addition to, if the grace apportioned to us by Christ calls us into occupational ministry, Mm -hmm. apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, Mm -hmm. whose work it is to build up and equip others to fulfill their calling, Mm -hmm. to be obedient to the character of Christ in their lives. Yeah. Um, so there's a, it's a both and Paul's mm-hmm. not advocating for one over the other, nor is he saying the only calling that exists is occupational ministry, nor is he saying the only calling that exists is non-occupational ministry. It's both. And they work in concert with one another. Right. So it's. It makes me think of a lot of conversations around um, spiritual gifts, mm. right? Like this, everyone, um, I feel like this was really vogue, um, you know, decade or more ago. Like, I felt like every church was doing like a, speci- uh, uh, a spiritual gift inventory and stuff. Um, it was like just like a, I don't know, thing that we were talking a lot about. And, um, you know, and that, that's not, not dissing that you should, you know, be discerning about what are the gifts that God has specifically given you and how those are meant to be used in the body for mm-hmm. Christ. Like that's, that's an important thing, but like, if that's maybe a more helpful framework for some people is to say like, you know, you've got a, uh, if you've, if you've ever like identified a spiritual gift that you have, well, you're you're called to be a minister of that spiritual gift inside mm-hmm. of the body in which you belong. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as you were reading, I was thinking about First um, Peter talks about uses this language. Um, mm-hmm. Talks about in chapter two here, verse four. It says, "As you come to Him, the living stone, talking about Jesus, uh, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him." You also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, mm-hmm. offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a pretty big like um, it's a pretty big category shift mm-hmm. in the New Testament um, from the Old Testament, right? Shifting from there being um, you know. Well, you, you couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. You couldn't go into certain parts of the temple uh, and do certain things unless you were a priest. And, um, and so in the New Testament, to call all believers, everyone who follows Christ, as belonging in part of a royal priesthood, that's like a, it's a big shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm kind of thinking about it, I'm kind of wondering, like, Cameron, do you think that we've maybe, like, 
do you think we've lost that a little bit with the professionaliz- like professionalization of ministry? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we have. We, um, we have outsourced our callings mm. to the professionals. Um, and part of that is my fault. Part of that is your fault, right? Because yeah. we, if we, if we don't stand down hard on our calling as equippers of the saints to do the work of ministry, as Paul says in mm-hmm. Ephesians four, then we just promulgate that with our own professionalism. Um, right. You know, and and we have we have a vested interest in that. Yeah. You know, we've gone to school to study it. We've we give our lives to it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that's any of that's wrong or sure. that we shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. It just means that like we often the professionals among us often don't help um to change the culture of mm-hmm. professional occupational ministry being the way in which ministry gets done. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think we have gotten away from that. You know, every believer is a priest mm-hmm. type of. Um, sainthood of believers yeah, is the way I would Priesthood of believers, the yeah. sainthood of believers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so that that's why that's one of the reasons why I think it's so critical for us to talk more about the calling of character, mm-hmm. because the calling of character is what ultimately. I should put it like this: where there is no where there is no like where you don't embrace the calling of the character of Christ in you. I don't believe God is going to call you or promote you to the calling of professionalism. Mm. Or if there is a calling to professional ministry, you will rise to the level of your character. Mm-hmm. Um period. Yeah. Like that that will be the ceiling. You will never surpass. You will never surpass the level of your character. You will always mm-hmm. fall to the level of your character. Mhm. I think we could we could all say that the calling of God on our lives is much higher than we probably could even ever imagine. Yep. Um and that it's my I would say I I hold this belief loosely, right? Um I don't hold on to it tightly. It could be talked out of it, I think, but um that uh, our our character, the character of Christ in us, often determines the um, extent to which our professional um, calling increases. Hmm. What do you mean by that? By when you say professional calling increases, do you mean like the success of our professional mm. calling, or like the level to which? our professional calling should be like, I'm curious what you, cause I'm like in one way, like I think about that and I'm like, yeah, I know lots of like, there's, we've talked about it here, right? Like the continual year yeah. after year churn of people who, um, who have big ministry, but seem mm. to, um, you know, have failures of character and mm-hmm. stuff like that, who had 
massive influential ministry and impactful, but like, you know, and like you said, like, like they're not disproving your point necessarily because at the end of the day, they do fall to the level of their character. Mm -hmm. Um, but they definitely certainly saw a lot of, um, worldly success, worldly success. And there's even people out there who, you know, I don't know. We, we try not to overly judge people who we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but like from just afar, we're just like, why does that ministry seem to, or that person's platform seem to be so big, but we see other things where we're like, that seems really concerning, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I suppose I'm like maybe showing my, like an unfair bias a little bit, um, towards bigger ministry. Um, or bigger ministries. I'm not like, I'm certainly not biased towards them. And I don't know if, you know, like if really thinking it out or if I'm pushed on it, that I would say that people with big platforms have great character. People with small platforms have little character. Yeah. That's not true. I don't, I don't, I know I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I think that there is, I don't know. I, I just want to, I feel like I need to hold intention even for my own belief that like there is a, that there is a, there is a system of reaping and sowing that mm-hmm. happens in the calling of ministry Yeah, that we cannot, we cannot, we cannot sow to please our fleshly desires and then reap in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, we won't, you don't reap spiritual blessing from sowing in the flesh. Yeah. You don't. Um, there's also, you know, like I'm thinking about, you know, scriptural axioms and spiritual principles of um, like, um, you know, when, when we are, when we are given little and we treat it um, faithfully, God is, God is, inclined to give us more yeah when we are given a little and treat it poorly god is not inclined to give us more we have not Mm -hmm. proved ourselves to be faithful with what he has given to us Mm -hmm. but then you're right we do see these large really large ministries large platforms men and women who have seemingly built extraordinarily large followings and influence Mm -hmm. and have a voice within the not even just the christian culture but in culture in general yeah and we're like but then years down the line we realize or come you know come to hear or come to find out that behind the scenes their character was not christ-like yeah their lives were not humble um, or gentle or loving and they're mm-hmm. manipulative and power hungry and greedy and all yep. of those things. And the ministry all comes kind of crashing down. And I have two thoughts about that. One is like, well, like, is that the, is that, are they reaping now what they sowed? Are they reaping publicly what they sowed privately? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thought I have about that is that like okay does their failure negate any positive things that came from the ministry in the process yeah 
you know, um, because like, I, I don't know that we could talk. I don't, I don't know that we, if I'm like, there's such thing as fruit of the poisonous tree well, um, like, in terms of ministries are concerned. There, there is a little bit because Paul talks about, there's some concern. I'm trying to remember the passage, but Paul is in prison, I think, and he's writing one of the epistles and there's some concern that he's been made aware of, of like people yeah. preaching more boldly about Christ because he's in prison, but they're kind of like... Trying to make a name for themselves. Trying to make a name for themselves, yeah, and they're kind of yeah. like dissing him a little bit along the way. And Paul says, look, I don't care whether they're preaching the gospel for um, selfish gain Yeah, He says whether from false motives or true, Christ is being proclaimed. And so, woohoo! <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. so I think that there's definitely a principle shown in the New Testament there of like, you know, Christ using, and we see it throughout the Old Testament, Christ, God using imperfect people to accomplish his means. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's definitely, if you've been in Christendom and you've been, you've like, you read or read or watch really widely for a long period of time, you've probably read, watched, or listened to something by some pastor at this point who is now no longer in favor because of um, significant character failings. And the question we, and we've talked about this, I think, of, you know, what do you do with the fruit and the encouragement that you bore from that ministry? Mm-hmm. Do we just toss it out? Mm-hmm. Or do we say, the Lord used somebody who was imperfect, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit gray, but, yep. you know, I'm going to thank the Lord for the fruit and then toss out what is not. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, but and I, and I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But I think like what you're saying, to, what you were, you said something earlier. You were talking about bearing spiritual fruit, and I think sometimes, like I, you know, there's, you know, with so many things, there's a balance, right? Like we do want to do things well, right? And so we do want to care about metrics in to some degree. Like it wouldn't be wise to just completely disregard like. You know, you're like, I'm never going to count how many people come to my church. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I suppose, like, if you don't want to, I guess you don't have to, yeah. but, like, you're going to lack some information. And, um, But otherwise, then, um, you know, uh, so you don't want to disregard that, but we also don't want to get into a place where we just simply say, like, fruit is the visible metric, like, you know, the size of your ministry yep. and stuff like that. We don't want to yeah. bias ourselves that way either. No, I don't want to do that. And I, if I communicated that before, it's not my heart. Um, I just kind of, you know, the podcast is uncut. It is uncut. Yeah. And I know that's not your heart because I know yeah. that we've talked about that before here yeah. on the podcast. So I just feel like there is, I, I, I just feel like we can't ignore, and I don't know how it works out in heaven. Yeah. I just feel like we can't ignore the character of those who are called and mm-hmm. the fruit that is produced from yes. the character. Yeah. Um, I think that those, I don't think those two things can be separated, although I'm not really sure how it all works out in the laundry at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, to this kind of, you know, segue into a comment I remember you made towards the end of last episode. I think you were talking about people who, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, people who wanted to, like have a platform but f- and felt like they needed to go into ministry to get that platform or mm. 
it was some sort of category like that mm-hmm. of like, you know, um, or was it teaching? Were we talking about teaching people who just feel like they really want like a lot of people to listen to them and mm-hmm. teach and they feel like they need to become pastors because of that. And you were like, please don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, we were talking about it in terms of like, when you talk about ministry calling and you, a lot of times what people think about when ministry calling is they think about occupational ministries and pastors. Okay. Oh, okay. What do pastors do? Oh, pastors preach. Mm-hmm. Cause that's probably, that's usually one of the most visible things that a pastor does. Yeah. And what I will say is that, yes, that is true, but it is also one of the easiest parts of being a pastor and a relatively small part. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, I preach for an hour a week. I work for 40 to 60 hours a week, depending on the week. You know, (laughs) can be more than that even. So there is, there, you know, like what is visible is not always the reality of what is actually Mm -hmm. present. Yeah. You can take that and apply it into like character and fruit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, what I would want to tell people around calling, around preaching, around platforms, around um, is, and maybe this is what I wanted to say. Maybe this is what I wanted to say earlier and kind of fumbled it, is that if you focus on the calling of your character, mm-hmm. God will provide the necessary and proportional calling for your ministry. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if my focus becomes the calling of my platform, mm-hmm. it's called me to teach, it's called me to preach. I got to get up there. I got to get in front of people. Yeah. If my focus is my platform or my calling mm-hmm. or my position, professional mm-hmm. position, um, then my, it will like, it's backwards. Focus on the calling to focus on the calling to be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus, and um, and then the platform or the position will come as it becomes necessary unto the Lord. Um, and so, I think it's a um, really important distinction to make and understand. Um, not just what you're being called to, but what it entails. And as we've talked about many times here, um, as uh, we've talked about many times on um, in other mediums and other places and other times and all that, is that um, um, you know callings for the Lord are off our, our callings to, you know, die to your, die to yourself. <laughs> right. Our callings to die to yourself. They're not, you know, when we talk about like, Oh, some be called to be apostles, some called to be teachers and preachers, some called to be prophets and mm-hmm. evangelists, like recognize that in at least according to scriptural evidence or the, the scriptural account all of those significant callings mm-hmm. ended up, you know, in someone's 
surrendered of their own life, sometimes their actual physical life. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked about this before in terms of being a prophet. Yeah. You know, the office of prophet is that people will, um, oh, I'm a, you know, like, uh, call me prophet so-and-so. Call me prophet so-and-so. I speak as as one of who is speaking the words of the Lord. One, you better be damn sure. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yes, um. <laughs> that you are, that the Lord is telling you to speak. Because when yeah. you declare, thus saith the Lord, Mm-hmm. Or this is what the Lord is saying. Yeah. Um. You put your place. You put yourself in a very, very precarious position. You better not be wrong. Mm-hmm. You better not be wrong. Yeah. And number two is that uh, I don't know. All of the prophets that we see in Scripture died because of the, they were prophets. Mm-hmm. Right. They were, or at the very least, to put it the they were like pushed to the absolute outskirts of society. They were not given the big platforms. They were not given the big stages. They were not given the microphones. They were not given the book deals. They were not given the, they were not given the titles. Mm -hmm. They were crazy. They were hated. Yep. Even by the religious people, they were hated. Yep. And their message was so countercultural to the world. Mm-hmm. That they were often killed, yeah, because of it. The Old Testament minor prophets. I think it's it's probably Jeremiah or I don't know. It's probably in multiple of the prophets, but um, they talk about the prophets that people collect for themselves, who um, who say what they want to hear. Their itching ears. They Their gather around ears. them teachers who yeah. give them what their itching ears want to hear. Right. Right. That that happened. That happened in the Old Testament. Happens in the New Testament. Happens now. Um, and so, you know, not many of you should desire to be teachers because of like the increased level of judgment, expectation, and all of that. Yeah, the Epistle James writes. You know, mm-hmm. not many of you presu- should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because we know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. Yeah. Right. So, would you like to be held to a higher standard of? Yes. character in front of the Lord than everyone else. Like it is a demand for higher character. Is it mm-hmm. not right? Like it, it has to be, I don't know how else you would parse that out yeah. than to say, and Oh, I want to be a pastor. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I want to teach. Are you sure? Right. Well, and there's other, like, let's, let's segue it. Like, I think like that's a, you know, I think that's a really important point is that, like, I think too often there are people who are really eager. This is the thing that I, not, you, you, there should be some desire to be in ministry. But if that desire is outpaced by, <clears throat> let me say it this way, is outpaced significantly by patience and maturity and a willing to submit to authority then that's just like that's the leader i'm like scared of like when we talked we talked you mentioned earlier does gifting equal calling Mm -hmm. no no like it doesn't i don't care how good of a speaker you are or how um or even how good of an exegete you are Mm -hmm. 
if you don't love Christ and you don't love Christ. Others. Yeah, if you don't love Christ's bride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're just going to just be a hammer in the pulpit, mm-hmm. like it doesn't, I don't care how many people love to listen to you talk. Mm-hmm. If you doesn't, if it doesn't seem that Christ is being manifest in you, you should not be doing that yet. Right. And if you're not willing to, to like uh, submit, mm-hmm. learn and grow and wait, then you probably just shouldn't be attempting to do this at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's tantamount to like the old phrase that, you know, it's the difference between loving the gift and loving the giver. Mm-hmm. Like the gift is the calling, mm-hmm. the giver is the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and, and like like you said, I'm not trying to call any, I'm not trying to talk anyone out. No, of ministry. we need more pastors. We do. There's the seminaries are getting small. Um, <laughs> we need more people to like... There are less and less. There are more pastors retiring, and more pastors quitting every year than there are more pa- than there are pastors starting. Well, and most pastors, well, not say most, a lot of pastors are starting either bivocationally later mm-hmm. in life or right. even in retirement. Yeah, there because there's a lack of young mm-hmm. people who are willing to pursue this. Right. I gotta kind of catch myself because I'm like we're I'm gonna be getting into the season of life where I'm not young anymore. I yeah. I think I still am relatively re- relatively bell curve. But. Yeah, relatively speaking to the majority of pastors in the United States, I'm on the younger side. Yes, and I've been doing it for 20 years. So imagine, you know, like the how old that makes the average pastor. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I think the the question or the statement about like does gifting equal calling or does calling equal gifting or however you know like yeah, however yeah. you want to talk about it is an important one. Because yeah. you can have gifts and lack calling and lack calling. You can have gifts and have calling, but lack character. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a, the dynamic, I guess, that yeah. we were already talking about. Is that right? You have the gifting. Mm-hmm. You have been called. The Lord wants yeah. you to move, mm-hmm. but, but if your not, character has not yeah. has not de- developed. You have not developed right. your char- the character of Christ in you, mm-hmm. the hope of glory, and and so now you're you're operating only on your calling. Mm-hmm. You're operating only on your gifting, right? And your character is not there, and so it's like a you know. You're gonna have to. It's a two-legged table. Yeah, and you're gonna like. You can if you can submit. If you can like, wait and be patient in the forming of the Lord. God can use you. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, people who fit into that character into that category of uh, calling and gift usually not always, but a lot of times are very impatient. And don't always aren't always willing to wait for character, mm-hmm. but like the person who has character and calling can work on gifts. In mm-hmm. my opinion, I would rather take somebody who has character and calling than somebody who has um, calling and gifts.
because not every pastor is perfectly. Is, what is the, what would you say is the foundation to those three? What do you mean? Like, I think this is an interesting conversation. I think this is a cool conversation. Actually, like, mm-hmm. let's say there's three things. Yeah. Let's say that we have a calling from the Lord. Yep. We have gifts, mm-hmm. natural gifts. Yep. And then there's character. Yeah. And you can have them at any proportion, mm-hmm. any percentage. Yep. Right? And those aren't static. It's not like you're going to only have that percentage forever. Right. They yeah. can be grown. Yep. They can be diminished. Yes. What's the one What's the one that you have to have in order to move forward? Hmm. If you could only have one. No. What's the one okay. that starts the train moving forward? Hmm. I'm debating between calling and character. Okay. Because, like... Here's a question that I would yeah. ask for clarification. Yeah. Is which one could be developed, calling or character? Character. Character can character be developed. Can be calling developed. can't, no, right? You're either called or you're not. Yeah. In terms of occupational. Yes. Right? So you can have gifts mm-hmm. or not have gifts. Yeah. You don't have any gifts, but you're called and you have character. Yep. Gifts can be developed. Yes, they can. If you have gifting mm-hmm. and you're called, but your character is low, mm-hmm. Jesus can transform you. Yeah. Right? And through and, and you can be discipled into having character. Yes. If you have great character and you are gifted, but you are not called. Yeah. Then shall not pass. You should do something else. You should do something else. Yeah. Right? So um even something adjacent, maybe something not in the church. Yeah, work for a parachurch. Right. Work for... Be a, be a teacher in a different capacity other than a local church ministry. Go, go sort two by fours at Home Depot. Yeah. That's my ultimate, <laughs> my ultimate example of something else to do. give you a pack of two by fours yeah. for your Christmas. Um, um, <laughs> but go, yeah, go, go sort two by fours and, and like... Use your character and your gifting mm-hmm. to be like the best two by four sorter you could possibly could be to the glory of God. Yeah. It's not a lesser calling. No. It's not. There's nothing in. I can't say that. <laughs> I was going to say that there's nothing in scripture that elevates the calling of the That's, professional. Yeah. Because like, there actually is. Like, there that, is. That, te- that those who teach the word are worthy of double honor. Um, that there is increased standards right. for those who are elders in the church. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not worth in the sight of God. It's not like oh, a pastor is worth more in the sight of God than someone who is not. Um, it is just like a. How would you? Do you get what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying because, like, it's. How would you describe it, the difference there? We're all to be pursuing Christ and at the end of the day, laying our crowns down. Mm-hmm. Like if like, you know, the Bible certainly does talk about honoring like those in vocational ministry and some of the like things around that, um, which is always awkward to talk about as a pastor because you feel like, 
And the reason it's awkward is because the call of Christ is to die to self. Mm -hmm. And as pastors, we ought to be dying to ourselves. And so if we're doing that well, we're not really going... And Paul demonstrates it a lot. Paul doesn't often argue for his own dignity. No. He argues for his calling at times in order to... um, to defend his his proclamation of the gospel, yeah. But he doesn't often like so, like the two examples when Paul talks about arguing his like calling and how he's deserving of like the unique apostleship under which he sits. It's so that he defends his proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. In the other place where people are talking him down and he's in prison, he's like, "Oh, that's fine. They can talk about me all they want as long as you talk about Jesus, right?" That's a very different thing, and so. Um, and so we're all part of the yeah. body of Christ. And I had a professor once tell me, he's like, you as a pastor need to assume that you're not the best preacher in the congregation mm-hmm. and that you're not the best exegete. You're just the one that happens to be on the stage. Mm-hmm. And you need to carry that humility with you. We're yeah. all in the body of Christ. Whether or not it's actually true or not. Whether it's not actually true or not. Assume that about you. Right. So that you walk in humility of that gifting. Right. Walk in humility. And if you're not, you don't have the character and you should sit down. Right. And so, so this, that calling to, to die to self makes it really, you know, makes it kind of counterintuitive to talk about some of the honor that is given, but it's never a, oh, what's that phrase? First among, first among equals, Mm -hmm. right? Somebody has to, somebody has to go lead. Right, we can't all we can't all go through the door at the same time. Someone has to go first, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know how leadership looks in the church is we're all equals here at the foot of the cross, mm-hmm. but some of us do have to lead. But I'm going to lead in such a way that I serve, and that like I never forget that we are on equal footing, and that I am to wash your feet. Is that mm-hmm. kind of get at it, I guess? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's a really hard dynamic to kind of Yeah, describe. I mean, like, I'm going back to in Philippians when Paul said, you know, like, I'm, you know, the essentially, in terms of being a Jew, I am faultless. Yeah. I was, you know, educated under Gamaliel, which is like the most, it's like the Harvard of the Jewish scholars at that mm-hmm. point, right? And then he goes, but what whatever was for my profit... I now consider a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and surrendering all things yeah. that I might be found in him. You know, So for him, like it mattered who he was, yeah. but in comparison to Christ, it didn't at the same time. Yeah. So. Right. But everyone, I, just to kind of wrap us up here, uh, I know we kind of, we ended up kind of, talking a lot about like professional calling into professional vocational ministry, but like, like the call of Christ is the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. To die to self Mm -hmm. and, and figure out just exactly what it is that Christ is calling you to do in the context in which you find yourself. Yeah. Like in your, or in, in your character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What, what is, what is, Jesus trying to root out in mm-hmm. me and create me to be. Right. We're Christians, right? Christians, little Christs, mm-hmm. right? We're all to be emulators of Christ in some. How can I be like Christ mm-hmm. in 
wherever it is I find myself, work, mm-hmm. home, as a parent, as a wife, as a husband, mm-hmm. um, at the grocery store, like mm-hmm. in my church, mm-hmm. all of those places, it deserves us asking, how can I be like Christ here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you have any questions for us, anything that you would like us to look at in or talk about in upcoming episodes, um, you can leave them in the comments here if you're watching on YouTube. Yep. Or you can text us. We have a text line specifically for the podcast, 716-201-0507. We would love to tackle some of your questions. Mm-hmm. We thank you for listening or watching. Please make sure you like, share, subscribe, rate, um, wherever it is that you're listening. It helps us out and helps to get the message out there more. So, See you all next time. Take it easy.